right, and welcome to today's to today's podcast. Derek Chase, about three thirty, getting ready for Memorial Day weekend. My dad will be here tomorrow. Um, just a bit here after some monologuing. We're do, we're going back to back days with community guests because my AFSP friends bombarded me with. Uh, uh, a wish, a desire, a craving to be here on the podcast. Uh, Megan, I believe, has been on tw- at least two times before. She's presented with me, talked about her encounter with um, suicide. So Megan will be along shortly. And from an AFSP perspective, we'll talk about and wrap up Mental Health Awareness Month, which should be every day. And I want to start with that because something got on my radar last night. And this is one of these things where I can see both sides. But I just, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm just saying I, this is how I would have approached it. Now, granted, I am twice her age, so I have more experience um, with, with experience um, when it comes to mental health stuff. But I'm never gonna shoot down uh, any kind of any kind of advocacy or awareness. But did you see this Naomi Osaka thing? I'll get to that in one second. Let me throw something out because I said on the air I'll be more forthcoming about it, and we'll have an adult conversation. Don't want to run off the kids on the radio show. But uh, somebody that I know who's very close to me, wink, wink, said that her said that her period was different after. Um her second shot. I have done extensive reading of everything COVID since the outset. I finally saw something the other day that wasn't that website that I really enjoy. And the writer, Derek Thompson from the Atlantic saying, whoa, shut down hygiene theater. It was some other website going, have we taken hygiene theater too far? Well, if you heard me talking about Derek in the Atlantic's article in July of last year, the answer to that is yes. So I've done extensive. That that's why that's why I thought I deserved the the million dollars that I didn't win last night. The the lady in Silverton did, and congrats to her. Thanks for getting vaccinated. I thought I was uh, I was in my broadcasting job. I was putting out the the appropriate and um, responsible information, <clears throat> excuse me, when it comes to COVID stuff. So I thought it would be like my reward for being a good broadcaster. And as a wise person once said, me, one, you don't get credit for doing the right thing. I didn't say that, but you don't, you don't get rewarded for doing your job. It's my job to be a responsible broadcaster and not recklessly speculate and all that nonsense. I'd still like to win though. I am vaccinated. Um, and from what I've read and what I've come across, it seems like the Johnson and Johnson, which is just one shot, has some side effects. Um, but to be quite honest, most of the people I've had a discussion with uh, have gotten a Moderna one. And after the second shot, it seems like, and this is just anecdotally speaking, uh, it seems like women... And people who have had COVID previously, <clears throat> previously, have been the ones who have been hit by uh, the ton of bricks that is the second shot. For me, when I got my second one, 
uh, I don't know, last month on a Saturday, I prepared to be down for the count on Sunday. Not that I'm not normally sleeping all day anyway, but the only thing I had was my arm was slightly more sore from the second shot than the first. My brother just got his second Moderna last week, and he got walloped. Now, the the other thing with those side effects, um, and this came from my friend, hi, Matt. They're not, they're going to last no more than like, as soon as they, as quickly as they come on, they go away in like 12 to 18 hours. And that was the case with my brother who falls into not being a woman, but he was one of the, the very first people to have gotten COVID. Um, when things began to pick up, I think he had COVID last April. I still vividly remember the picture that Tracy sent me of him with Phoenix leaning over Paul. Paul looks like death. He's got a blanket over him and Phoenix is kind of making a face at him. And at that point in time, we knew that this was a, this was a problem. Like this was an epidemic pandemic. We didn't realize the lethality of it. Um, that's why Phoenix was hovering over Paul making a face while he had like a hundred and something fever and was like freezing himself into sweat all at the same time. Um, and my brother's story again, by the time he, so he wouldn't be, he when he got it, he wasn't accepted to many urgent cares or ERs. They were concerned. They're like, we don't know what to do with COVID. You just have to like go rest it out or something. Eventually, I think somebody told him, go to an ER and don't leave. And he, he said by the time he got his test results back, this is like midweek, by the time he got his test results back on Saturday, he was already feeling better. So I don't think he lost any taste or smell, but all the massive flu symptoms he got hit with. And he got it again um, after he got his second shot. But um, Amanda brought up to me that her period was different. Um, not as predictable as it usually is. Nothing... Nothing major, nothing really negative, but I guess that's perspective. Um, but no, no fevers, no flu-like symptoms, just some some differences. Just all very mild and completely manageable. So I'll throw out to you, because this is the first I'm hearing of this, and Amanda said she spoke to a couple other people, like, yeah, now that I think about it, it was one of those kinds of things. Like, in the, in the, in the moment, it's like, Everything's fine. But then when you look back with hindsight, you're like, yeah, that was a little different. Like, Kind of like how in May, June, July, we're like, hmm, maybe that wicked cold I had in January or February, maybe that was COVID. So, um, so I'll throw that out there for the women who listen to the podcast. Who are va- I bet you 100% of the people that listen to the podcast are vaccinated. I feel good about that. Um, and again, I thank you for being here. Let me give you this uh, Naomi Osaka thing. And I am not, again, I understand her perspective and her tack with what she's doing. I understand it. I can support it in some ways. Again, I just would have done it differently. So um, the French Open is coming up and Naomi Osaka is not going to be speaking to the media I don't this is a very long statement um I should probably I'm not going to read her statement it's on my Facebook page because it's a lot and I think I have the context of what you need to know so I can make my point so she's not going to talk to the media because it's not good for her mental health I understand that as somebody who and I and I might actually read my Facebook post because I I spent you know, a good amount of time on it. And when I'm just speaking extemporaneously here, I might miss something. And with the written statement and the post, I might not miss it. But I'll set it up like this. 
Um, for a long, long, I mean, I've, I've obviously followed sports for most of my life and I've always had my eyes glaze over. I've shaken my head. I've shut them off like press conferences with coaches or athletes. Um, there's the press conference type where there's somebody at a podium and there's just a swarm of reporters and journalists who are asking questions. There's the in the locker room type where, again, it's a smaller swarm of journalists, but it's a little bit more personal. And it depends by sport because some sports like baseball, writers get to talk to players every day. So there might be more of a uh, of a transparent relationship. But for the most part, speaking very generally, these things suck and very, very rarely do you really get answers to questions do you really ever find out what what's truly going on um, with an athlete or or a coach? And in many ways, I understand that that's strategy. Um, Bill Belichick, for for example, uh, never says anything in a press conference because he doesn't want like he is required to stand up there and answer questions. How he answers them is mostly up to him. That's why he'll repeat something over over and over again and he'll deflect a lot. I get it. You don't want to give away state secrets. You don't want to give away strategy. In hockey, there's a thing where um, when an injury is announced, they will often just say upper body injury because on the ice, parts of your body are a target. And if it's your wrist that's messed up, somebody might target your wrist. An opponent might target your wrist. So I understand that you've got to be very protective when it comes to health and strategy. But most most engagements with professional athletes, it's and some of them just aren't great speakers, and that's totally fine. Their gift was to be great at at their given sport, at their chosen sport. Um, it can be they can be anxious, they can be nervous, they just don't like public speaking. Some get used to it after a while. Um, some embrace it like LeBron does, who is seemingly, he will always share his thoughts, especially on social justice matters over over the last year. And But not everybody's like that. And for the most part, when you're asking a, a player or a coach about something, it's it's cliches. Oh, we just got to do a better job. We, we didn't come out to play tonight, you know. We'll have to go dig into the tape. And you very rarely get intricate details. Um, so I, I, see, I can see how that makes a journalist's job harder. Now, in the media... Uh, it's all about clicks. It's all about getting people to do page visits, monthly unique visitors, visiting the website. So in some ways, some journalists have become more antagonistic knowing they're not going to get the answers to the questions that they're asking. Now, there's a problem with that. An, anti- an antagonistic relationship for whatever the motive is not good. I just, I'll I'll sum this part of this up with this. I just wish there was a better, both parties, both answerer and questioner, um, coaches, athletes, players, um, and reporters, journalists, writers, everybody can do a better job. Um, I think players and coaches can be a bit more forthcoming if they're able to be, not because they're giving away strategies, but... Not because like you don't want to give that away, but maybe they're just not comfortable there. Um, but it would be great if there was just say that, hey, I'm not not comfortable answering. You know, you know me, I'm not good in front of a microphone. Blah blah blah. And reporters need to do a better job. Not all of them. Reporters and writers need to do a better job asking questions so that they don't get hit with 
um, cliches and platitudes. Hey, what what was going on out there tonight? Like, uh, what happened during that at bat? Like, what what was what happened with that? Why that shot at that moment when you pa- passed up a better shot? And many reporters and writers ask great questions, and they'll get like, ah, just you know, it wasn't my night. I was off. Blah blah blah. And and th- these things are just painful to watch at times. So let me read what I wrote. Um, and I don't know with Naomi Osaka how press conferences have negatively affected her mental health because it is, I believe it is part of her job to speak to the press. Um, but like Bill Belichick, she can just deflect, deflect, deflect. Now she's also a, a kid. She's a, a young adult. So things are going to affect her differently than they will affect me. I'll be more adept at maybe evading things than she will be. But um, so let me just read what, what I wrote here instead of rambling on and on. Let's attempt a productive dialogue as we wrap up Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, too long didn't read. Naomi Osaka won't speak to the press at the French Open due to mental health reasons. Literally speaking, I'm aware everything is a mental health issue, assuming you have a brain. So I'm going to acknowledge that. Th- those are the boundaries. Everything is a mental health issue because we all have brains. As someone who's followed sports my entire life, and to a degree, I now ask people hopefully interesting questions as part of my job duties. Many press conferences are filled with inane and mundane queries. The other side of that equation is filled with cliches, we didn't come out to play, and dodging the truth answers. Many can ask better and more appropriate questions. Many can offer better answers right up to the boundary of giving away team and state secrets for the sake of candor and authenticity. You, if you were... I'll just keep reading instead of commenting on my own words. I appreciate Osaka's spirit, but I'd have preferred she just called out the bullshit when it arises between her and media in the moment rather than just saying, I'm out. A ginormous part of mental health and really productive personal growth is fulfilling your responsibilities even when you don't want to. That is the zenith of being a professional and not walking away from them. Most people can't do that. To be 1 million percent clear, I'm not referring to obviously abusive or invasive situations. Get out of those, call them out, seek help, be the help for those in them. If there's a platinum lining of the pandemic, it's that more people than ever are taking serious inventory of their mental health priorities. In some ways, very much as expected, though, mental health is being used as a catch-all for troubling situations and challenges. I'm not saying you're sensitive. As I've often come to say, it may not be a mental health situation, but one more, but one more of your coping skills needing polishing. But challenges, seek them out. Nobody improved at anything because they kept winning the same battles over and over. That's not growth. So I'm simply saying, I don't, I don't know, and I'm sure I would have read about it if someone asked Naomi Osaka a really inappropriate question that violated boundaries. I think I would have heard of it. That would, that seems like it would be a big story. But for the most part, I understand that she's probably going to get hard questions. And she is still just a kid, a young adult. And that can be a challenge. Um, but she is a professional. She is handsomely rewarded, has great sponsors. And there is a. we all have to do parts of our jobs that we dislike. Now, again, if something is abusive or invasive, and I don't know if that's happening at these press conferences. It's like likely not, and I get that she probably deals with all kinds of idiots on Twitter and social media calling her abhorrent, awful, hateful things, but that's not the press. For the most, you're not getting Twitter troll in, in a press corps. So I'll, I'll dig deeper, 
Um, and I, of course, support her um, advocacy for, for good mental health. But part of improving your mental health is entering challenging situations that make you a little uncomfortable. Now, again, not to the point of being invasive or abusive, but they get you out of your comfort zone. And that's how we grow. Um, I'll use a cliche to wrap this up. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But I'll use the parentheses as long as it's not abusive, invasive, or over the line. Um, There are all days where we do not want to go to work. Take a mental health day. I mean, that's why you have sick days and vacation days, I hope. Um, there There are parts of our job that we don't like doing, that we don't want to do. We disagree with our managers or our coworkers. But you have to do it. It's part of your job. Um, you're you're expected to do these things. And again, if there are lines crossed, fine, go to HR. But we've all had a situation where it's like, I don't want to do this. This is an idiotic idea, and this is going to fail. And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But to be, but this, again, being a professional is going to work and doing the work when you don't want to. Okay. Um, all right. Let's bring in my good friend. She's my good friend. We've shared some very personal things. Megan from the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention will get you ready for the October out of the darkness walk. So last week I was uh, assaulted with messages by Jennifer. Yes. And she demanded a podcast visit and I was I was kind of taken aback like where did this all come from? Well, so we were we had been meaning to do this. Do what? And set up a podcast because as I'm sure some of you are aware May is mental health month and I am on the committee for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention so yep. this is our month to get information out there and help people and talk about getting people the help they need. Well, and we've done that. I'll talk to you in, in October. <laughs> no, October is when our walk is. Exactly. So, I mean, we, we've, so do you, did you know that May was Mental Health Awareness Month before, I don't know, May 1st of this year? Yeah, I know it every year. Did I've you really? Yeah, I did. I had no idea. Like this year, it, se- it was no, seemingly, I had no idea. I could have sworn you've talked about it before. I don't. I talk about Mental Health Awareness Month is every month and every day for me, as I know you feel the same way. But I feel like you've talked about it on your shows before that it's mental health awareness. Uh, Maybe I. I. I don't. I don't know. May. I feel like it was more September where it was like Suicide Prevention Month or week. I don't remember the awareness month, but hey, it's here. And uh, if there there is a. I'll call it a platinum lining from the pandemic. Um, there are a lot less or a lot fewer doubters about um, how meaningful mental health is to many people because people who never experienced it or grasped it or grappled with it before have had to deal with it over the last 15 months, that's for sure. It's true. And, you know, I find that it's, like people are much more open about it and they're talking about it and they're talking about how they're dealing with it. It's much less taboo. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what what have you come across 
that people have talked about it and and how they have addressed it. Like we'll say the noobs. Like I've uh, I did a little monologue here to get the podcast started and introduced you a little bit. Have we? Have you been on? I think you've been on at least two times before, right? Mm, once. Well, once, and I think I was on when you had the when you were on in the morning, but I. I think just once on the podcast. Well, that, that counts. But. So uh, if, to re- to uh, to share the story again, brief, well, briefly, you attempted suicide by uh, attempting to overdose on insulin, and that was years Correct. ago. And now you're mm-hmm. you're in a place like me. There's great spots. There's good spots. There's bad spots. Then mm-hmm. you know you're back in a in a good place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that there's not ups and downs. Cause... Right. That's life. Oh God. Yes. So for the uh, for the noobs, the rookies with mental health, what <laughs> what have you come across with them and how they've talked about things with you? Well, so the one thing I always stress with people is, yes, medicine helps, medicine is good, but don't have, may always make that your first line of defense. Um, Make it a a line of defense. Always consult with your doctor. That is always an important thing. Consult with your doctor. Consult with a psychiatrist before you go that route. But look for other things that are around to help you deal with that depression, that anxiety, that sadness. There's so many things out there that can help you that's, that's not medicinal based, that are coping skills, that even myself denied for years and years. And now that is such an integral part of my wellness plan. Um, walks in nature, exercise, good diet, good sleep habits. Um, it's just simple stuff, deep breathing. Um, th- there's just so many of them. I, I can't name them all. And if you want a simple place to go look for it, I'll, I'll tell you, it's the weirdest thing and it's very girly. But where I get a lot of my ideas for some of those simple coping skills is Pinterest. It's a it's a it's a, it's a reservoir of ideas for ev- for everything. You can uh, you can redecorate your bathroom and learn uh, good mental health practices. So I there you I, go. I wouldn't I wouldn't poo poo it at all. Um, I <laughs> I don't I maybe I threw this by you before, but to put an exclamation point on your point um i remember i read the book Yo- uh, johanna hari's lost connections and one of the things from that that stays with me is he says before you go altering your brain chemistry alter your environmental chemistry and right. I, I would never tell anybody um to go get on medication right away Mm-mm. because a lot of times if you look around, there are some very simple changes that you can make to your life that will keep you from needing medication. Now, if things get drastic and, and, and you make some changes and it doesn't work, yeah, let's go down the medication path. But like, look around yourself, like you said, what can I do to make my days better or to manage stress better before I go to a medication? And for the, for the most part, I, I find that people are pretty averse to medication. Well, and because believe it or not, a lot of those little things are the things that will release those chemicals in your body that will do the effects that the medication will do. And that's, that's what needs to happen anyway. So if you do those things that release the, the dopamine and the other chemicals that the medicine would release, then you don't need the medicine. 
Yeah. There's, you mentioned yeah. a psychiatrist. I'll, I'll go to a psychologist or a, a therapist or a counselor. You're just talking with these people and they're giving you some ways to cope better and what they're doing um, from another book that I read about uh, neuroplasticity in the brain is uh, they are doing microsurgery on the neurons in your brain. They're, they're rewiring your brain and you can do that yourself when you learn certain things mm-hmm. or go to Pinterest and maybe you pick up a new <laughs> hobby and all of a sudden you like something that you didn't and you feel better. You have literally changed your brain. Um, I read a book called Happy by Natalie Krogan and she talked, I was just listening to a podcast of hers the other day and she was, when it was talking about how to get yourself out of a funk, cause I've, I've really felt in a funk lately. There's a whole lot going on. And you know, one of the things she said, and I think that we as humans don't do this enough is that she says, if you're in a funk, the first thing you can do, don't tell yourself, come on, get up, feel happy. You're a happy person. She goes, just let yourself be there and feel that emotion and don't feel guilty for it, but just feel it and just be and say, well, this is just what I am and who I am right now and explore it. And I don't think that we allow ourselves to do that enough. And it's just when you start to explore yourself and your emotions, because we go so fast anymore that we just don't allow ourselves to explore our own feelings like I'm not saying you have to be all touchy-feely and mushy and but just experience have that mindfulness I think that that word has been so coined that people poo-poo at it but if you are mindful of your surroundings and your own body that it it just gives you a better experience in life and it helps your mental your mental health if you're more mindful I agree I agree and I think that there's some some good studies that will will support that um, or, or people with enough data to, to back that up, even if it's just, you know, little, just a, a moment or two of mindfulness a day, not sitting there and, and meditating. You can do it without looking like a Buddhist by any means. Um, you mentioned that we don't feel our feelings and this, this made me think of this and it's obviously there's a lot more awareness and addressing of mental health even before the pandemic. Um, but we live in a culture and society now where we want immediacy. And one of the things I, I used to go back to was when we when we get hurt, when we injure ourselves, or when there's something physically wrong, God knows there's an urgent care in every damn corner. And, you know, it's available to us. We can pop over there. It's 24 hours a day. And we can get it some kind of, like, answer or whatever. Um, and it's different with mental health because it doesn't really work like that. But... There's also like the common cold or other things where a doctor will say, you just got to let it run its course and, you know, take some over the counter Tylenol cold and flu and and let it run its course. Sometimes like to your point, you got to do the same thing with your feelings. Like it, why are you feeling like this? Realize that it will pass and maybe do something small instead of taking Tylenol cold and flu. Go be mindful for a couple of minutes. Take the dog for a walk, play with your kid. Tell your husband a funny joke or something like that and just kind of manage it while it runs its course because for the most part, it will go away for most people. Because her next suggestion was go write down, make a list of just something small, very, very small that makes you happy. And you're going to love the thing that I thought of, Eric. So for those of you who probably listen to Eric a lot, Eric loves his dogs loves them 
And I have a dog that is the light of my life. It's a German, it's a Australian Shepherd. And she just, my 70 pound lap dog just happened to be sitting in my lap when I was watching this podcast. And I looked down at her and the thing about dogs that just gets me is that they love you no matter what. And Dakota, who is the most mischievous dog I've ever owned, just constantly looks at me with this love in her eyes. And I am her mama. And she always wants to please me and love on me and get as close as to me as she can with all of that hot hair. And it was like 90 degrees that day. And I just thought, I'm so grateful to have this animal that loves me unconditionally. And I just hugged her and petted her and I instantly felt better. Yeah. Am I still in a funk? Yes, I still have some funk. But in that moment, it gave me just that little bit of spike of dopamine that it, it lifted me just a little bit. And it, it was awesome. I don't. So. I I I take a different tack with that. Not that the happy part is wrong. Um, you do what works for you. I found a little success, and I don't know where I picked this up from. But I've gone the grateful route. Um, hmm. like I'll try to come up with, and I try to make it a daily practice. Some days I'm just like in such a fantastic mood I don't need to do it. But even if I'm just like in an okay mood and I'm good, I'm not bad. I'll still do it to get in the practice of it. Just like you know, I brush my teeth every day. Um, like I, I try to come across five things that I'm grateful for and I try not to repeat things and I try to like, I'll use a microscope on things like today might be if I, and I usually do it while I'm sitting in the shower. Um, one of the things might be, I got to catch up with Megan today and Megan's doing well as I can tell. And you know, I'm grateful that my dad will be here tomorrow and it's just getting in that habit of like kind of. Again, these things, they make me happy, but more so I'm grateful to have like this conversation right now. And I think gratefulness is a more long-lasting, or it can be more long-lasting and more helpful than, than happiness. Because happiness and sadness can be fleeting. And it kind of goes back to like, I'd rather have purpose than happiness because purpose can really be um, a great muscle to keep you going. So I go the gratefulness right. route, and I am very grateful that we get to get, we've gotten to, caught, to catch up. I was totally grateful to tell Jen it's okay. Megan and I will be fine. You don't have to come. That's right. <laughs> Jen's like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "No, Jen, it's fine. Eric and I got it. We we've yeah. done this before." <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we do this old hat. Um, how is um how are your husband and the kid? And I I'm because the kid is now May. getting what's May right? May. Yep, she's a teenager. Yeah. So I was he wondering. Will be an eighth grader. I was wondering how this was affecting your mental health because I'm sure there are times that you want to put her through the wall. There are, but you know, as she gets older, it's, it's like, I see, I see myself in her and I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. I was actually thinking of, of her as we were having this conversation. I would not want to be a kid nowadays, the stress and on their mental health, like for all of you that have kids like me. I can't imagine the mental health stress that these kids go through every day with the social media and this and that. Like, it's just as important for us as adults to check our mental health as it is for us to be checking on our kids and their mental health because that is just, the pressure on them is just crazy. Like, it's it's nuts. I get it's it. Nuts. And, and, yeah. <laughs> Two things though. But, um, they, a lot they bring on themselves. Um, I, 
and I get it. There are apps and games and phones and things mm-hmm. that are scientifically addictive and they're planned yeah. that way. Um, but they got to know, and this is where parents have to help out and go, put it down, back off, go take a walk or something like that. And two, they do have resources that were like unicorns and imaginary when we were growing up. <laughs> True story. So, but it's tough. It's, it's tough. It is. And it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just different. It's just different than, and getting them. But, um, John is doing good. He's, um, he's. In a, an independent living, um, working as an executive chef there. So he loves doing that and working around the elderly just like I do. And so we're, and ha- we're a great team. We always say we always say we want to win the, the lottery and buy our own nursing home. And we know who we'd want to staff it with and uh, just make a bunch of old people really happy at the end of their life. <laughs> Excellent. So. Um, you... You have a new update me on the job situation because I think you told me that you took a new job and you were excited, but then I there was some that felt like there was a hic- a hiccup in there. There was. Um, I actually have came away from the bedside and I'm working in a quality program department over at the Toledo Clinic where I make sure that people who are discharged from skilled facilities have all the resources that they need and. Um, that home care is coming in, that they have all their equipment and their medicines. And um, it's just a step away because with COVID and the staffing shortages and everything, and, you know, with our conversation with mental health right now, it was just better for my mental health. I was having a lot of struggles. Um, it was starting to affect my home life. And it you sometimes have to make those hard decisions, especially, you know, for someone like me who struggles with a chronic mental health um, disorder with bipolar, um, no matter what kind of coping skills or medication I take, sometimes my body and my brain just needs a break. Yeah. So um, I had to, I had to step away um, and it's hard. I miss the bedside. I miss seeing patients every day, but this is good. This is good for me. It's been a relief, a breath of fresh air. Um, so I'm able to get up, go to work. I don't work weekends. I'm never on call. So it's a lot different. Good. What, uh, what are your duties and responsibilities when it comes to doing AFSP stuff? Cause I just know, you know, we got the walk usually like the first Saturday in October, but, um, what resources are available to people? What do you do with AFSP? Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so AFSP, so we're super excited that um, everything's starting to open again. So our AFSP walk will more than likely be in person again this year. We're super excited, just super, super excited about that. Um, We got a couple of events in the workings. Um, I know that Pride is going to be this year, so we'll be in the Pride Parade. No, there's no parade. Um, I thought there was. No, there's just going to be one night, uh, like one party night. Um, I think it's called like Live at the Park, but there's no parade. Oh. That could well, change. I mean, we've we've all been on like a, we've all had to like spin on a dime in, in the last year or so and pivot real fast. <laughs> so it could come back, but I know the Friday night thing is going to happen and they'll probably have booths and things like that. So you'll, you'll be more than welcome to that. Well, yeah. Well, we, we always participate in the Pride Weekend, so... However we can participate, we will participate in that. Um, We are hoping to get back out there and and do some different um, 
booths and whatnot. As far as AFSP, there's our website, um, AFSP.org, where you can go and find out our different resources. We have different classes. Um, there's a Facebook group, um, AFSP.Ohio. Um, on Facebook, we do occasional classes where you can learn how to um, be a volunteer. And we are always looking for volunteers to come help us um, learn uh, how to uh, run at a tabling event or how to come help at the walk. And what that does is that helps you um, learn how to how to talk to people as they come up and ask you questions about what is AFSP or how to have those difficult decisions or have, have those difficult um, discussions with people. So this is, this is all good stuff. AFSP is an amazing organization um, of, of how, of how it's ran and, and it, it leads to uh, millions of dollars into the, um, into providing, um, help for families and, and out, outreach and um, education for suicide awareness across all age groups and um, all, what, know, what all are, kinds of people. What is some of that help? What are some of those, those resources? Like if somebody says to me, hey, uh, I've got a friend, I'm concerned about their mental health. In fact, it, it's so serious that, you know, I think they have some, some suicidal thoughts. Um, AFSP, like what can they do? How can they help? So, um, you can always call, you can text talk to 741741. Um, our area director, her name is, uh, Sarah, um, um, Maggied. She's able to, um, hook all of us up with the different resources. Um, for teenagers there's a program called more than sad which it it's taught students and educators how to become smarter about mental health um there's talk saves lives and that's talk saves lives is a great program it's it's like an introduction on uh, suicide prevention and it's a community-based um, presentation before the pandemic we were able to go out to different communities and present that again with the pandemic it's it's really right um uh limited us on that but with the with the walk what we do is we you know people make up make up teams um and they help us raise money for afsp um to to be able to do that um, so AFSP, what they do is they fund scientific research. They educate the public about mental health and suicide prevention. Um, trying to think of some of the other things. <laughs> it's a very helpful organization. I've been, uh, I've, it is. And, and there's great people too, um, meeting you and even Jen, certainly Rachel. Um, so I've been very thankful to, and grateful to be a part of it as for as long as I have. And, and the walk is a great experience. It's, um, it's sad in some ways. It's, it's somber because there are people there, um, who have lost loved ones, but it is, 
Uh, I think it is reassuring and helpful. Even though those people have lost loved ones, they can look to their left and right and and see other people are going through um, the same type of mourning and sadness that they're going through. And and just knowing that there are other people like you, um, it it makes you a little stronger to get through those really tough days. And of course, at the end of the day, it's about it's about prevention. And uh, the more we can talk about this, like like anything, the more you talk about something, the more you do something, the easier it becomes. Absolutely. Um, what's, uh, what's going on personal wise? Any, like, are you like vaccinated? We're ready to go out and do the world again. Some normalcies returning trips planned. Like what's, what's on tap for your summer? Uh, no trips planned. I've been vaccinated since January. Mm, Lucky show off. (laughs) Well, I was working in a long-term care facility. Right. Right. I I I was able to, to get that, um, right away. But, um, nothing much. I mean, we're, we're just kind of making it along right now. Nothing really big on the home front. Okay. Um, plans for the kid over the summer to keep the kid busy. Well, she's in softball. So I actually have a softball game to go tonight. She's got tons of games all summer. Okay. So we'll be doing that. So, well, it was uh, it was good to hear your voice. I'm glad things are going well. Um, I'm glad Jen wasn't here for the most part. And oh, uh, Jen! No, 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 no. And uh, and she would try to hug you through the phone, though. Yeah, we just can't have that. So, um, thank you and thanks for for getting in before we wrapped up Mental Health Month here. But as you and I agree, we will carry Mental Health Awareness Month right into June and all the way through December. That's right. So awesome. We'll we'll probably chat again at the end of September, right before our walk to get, to get ready for the walk. I'm looking ready. I'm looking forward to putting the date on my calendar. So take care of yourself and I will talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks, Eric. Bye. Bye.